0: West, uh, West Paulding folks, it's great to have you with us here inside of this building with us all together. And, uh, you know, um, just to kind of continue to talk a little bit about what we've already been discussing this morning and, and what the efforts um, are that we're going to be continuing to engage. You know, yesterday we had a chance for some of our elders and staff to drive around. I'm so grateful. You know, our, our county allowed us to just drive where other people weren't allowed to go, so that we could ex- we could assess what was going on, and and um, it, it really is amazing. I mean, you watch you know what a tornado can do, and as it comes through, and and, and I just sat as, I just sat in my truck as we were driving, and I just thought, you know, I'm grateful for all that God's done here over the last 14, 15 years. You know, this, this building and the three campuses and all the churches that we planted, and you know, but you know, I, w- I want you to understand my heart you know this and this i mean when it, when it comes what this church is about is people and it's about Jesus and i want you to know my heart as a pastor and i know for steve and james and others that's what this is about it's about engaging people with the love of Jesus. And we have a tremendous opportunity. You know, yesterday um, we drove over to the airport and our, a good friend, and many of you know Rich Erdman, he and his wife, Luann, they, they, they started a church on Tuesday evenings called Tuesday Church. And then Rich, we've been connected with him for several years through FCA. I mean, this, this picture right here, I took this picture, is his church. Um, and so we are going to, I mean, literally, that tornado took this building and moved it just through the air 50 feet and destroyed it. Um, we're going to let them meet here on Tuesday nights. So we're going to take care of them. Um, Pool Elementary School, where our West folks meet, um, you know, we went over there as well. Um, These are their modular units, which basically just took, they flipped them upside down, threw them. And so, you know, uh, the building itself, fortunately, uh, from what I understand, they're going to be able to have school in it. Um, But there's a lot of work to be done. And then just going from neighborhood to neighborhood to neighborhood, and I'm grateful that we had a lot of churches in our community engaged but I want you to know the work, the real work, is going to is going to be over the next many weeks and months, and that's where we need to engage. And after the first service we had in just in the nine o'clock, we had about 150 to 200 people who stayed after to, just to say, "Let me jump in. Let's figure this out." So as Paul said, I mean, the community's looking to us. We got to come through on this. This is where we as the church. This is what we're all about. So jump in and. It's going to be organized chaos. I want you to know that. But you know what? I've realized and learned that in the messiest moments, God does his best work. So just organized chaos, we find God in the middle of that. So just bear with us. We're going, we're going to do everything we can to help people. Um, tornadoes in Illinois, Alabama, most organizations are going to go there because of you know, there's a lot more damage. We're going to be here. These are our people. All right? Yeah. So I don't care if you're in West Cobb, Douglas County, Bartow, wherever you live. This is, our, this is our area, northwest Atlanta. And so we're going to do what God's called us to do, okay? All right, get your Bibles, turned to Luke chapter 23. Um, I know many of, of, of you in this room this morning, and if you're listening by internet right now, you are very familiar with the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. And um, if you're not, you know, if you don't hear about it all the time, you certainly hear about it on Easter, but here's God's very own son Jesus was literally nailed to a cross and he was hung before a crowd of onlookers. And I want you to, to capture this picture that that as Jesus was hanging there, these onlookers were not, a, it, was, it was not a huge group of followers and family and friends. Most of those folks had dispersed out of fear. They were you know, basically, hiding the onlookers that were that were looking at Jesus, the Son of God, as he was hanging on the cross, were mockers and the book of Matthew tells us that there were many, many that were around him that just shouted insult at him there, there were others that, that just kind of the Bible says they wagged their heads, shook their heads in disgust, many of them just folded their arms, just looking at Jesus and just throwing out words like, you know, you said, you know, Jesus, you said that you were going to, you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. And, and well, you know, if you're the son of God, then, then save yourself and come down for the cross. I mean, others were the, the leading priests and the, the teachers of religious law. The, I mean, the elders of, of the day stood there just mocking Jesus. And they said, you know, you saved others. You know, you talk about how you can save others. And, but yet you can't even save yourself. I mean, he, he's the king of Israel. Really? Is this guy the king of Israel? I mean, if he is, then let him come down from this cross right now and we'll believe in him. If he comes down now, we'll believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him if, he, if that's what he wants to do for him. You know, this is the guy who said he's the son of God. I mean, I want you to just capture that picture of these onlookers. They were spitting at him and hurling insults and folding their arms in disgust. And the Bible also tells us that Jesus hung on the cross there... He was not alone. There were two men, one on one side and one on the other, two thieves. And then Matthew tells us that they they mocked Jesus as well. As they hung on the cross with Jesus, they, they heard Jesus pray for forgiveness, for the forgiveness of those who were responsible for his beatings, who were responsible for this crucifixion moment, who ultimately were going to be responsible for his death. Jesus' his very first words are, Father, forgive these folks. They, don't, they really don't know what they're doing here. Both of these men, as they looked at Jesus, they could see this plate that was, that was nailed to the top of the cross that Jesus was, was being hung on that, that, that Pilate put there that, that, that said, this is the king of the Jews. And in Luke 23, we find this incredible story of how each of these men interacted with Jesus while they hung next to him on the crosses as they were dying along with him. And in verse 39, here's what it says. One of the criminals who were hanged railed against him, railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, justly, for for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man here, he's done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. As these guys hung next to Jesus, both close to death, one of them continued to mock him. Railed against Jesus with this very sarcastic tone. Aren't you the Christ? Aren't you the son of God? Aren't you supposed to be the king? If, if, if so, then get yourself down from this cross. And while you're saving yourself, save us as well. I mean, here's this guy who, who lived this violent, sinful life. There, there was no brokenness in his voice. There was no sorrow for his crimes. This is a guy who is going to go into eternity the very same way that he lived, full of pride, rejecting the only one that could truly give him forgiveness, the one who was hanging next to him at that very moment. But while this thief is challenging Jesus and while he 's rejecting him, something changed in the heart of the other thief while they 're hanging on this cross, he says to his friend this thief, and i don 't know what side each one of them were on, but this, this let 's pretend this guy over here he looks over at this guy and he says. Are you kidding me? Do you have no fear of God? I mean, here we are. We are guilty of what we have done. We are getting what we deserve. But this man in the middle, he's done nothing wrong. He doesn't deserve to die. I mean, here's this guy here. He understands he's guilty. He understands that that, that he is, I mean, this guy's got a sentence on him that he deserves. And yet he's now remorseful for his sins. He's sorrowful for the way that he's lived his life. This is a guy who realizes that he's going to stand before God and give an account of how he has lived his life. And he realizes at this moment that forgiveness is hanging on the cross next to him. He understands for the very first time that he can't afford to die without it. And you can tell from his words as he hangs on the cross dying next to Jesus that he's he's overwhelmed by his thoughts. And finally, he looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And with that, I want you to understand that this man repented of his sin. He placed his faith in the only one who could save him from his sin. And he received eternal life. And I wanna look for just a moment, if I could, at the kind of faith that this man was displaying as he was hanging on the cross next to Jesus. Because I want you to know it is so relevant to every single one of us in this room. This thief displayed a saving faith. Saving faith goes beyond reason. It goes beyond logic. I want you to think about this for a moment. This This is a dying man asking another dying man to rescue him, to remember him. I mean, from anyone's point of view, and certainly those that were actually physically there looking at this whole scenario, hearing what was being said, Jesus appeared to be a very hopeless man who was unable not only to save himself, but to rescue anyone else. I mean, And yet this thief believed that Jesus could save him. This thief could see the sign that was hanging above Jesus' head. This is king of the Jews. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. In other words, Jesus, I recognize you at this moment as a king. Here's a guy that has stolen from people. It is quite possible that he has murdered people to get what he wanted. Only the worst criminals were, were crucified. Crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst. And yet, here's this guy who has the, uh, the audacity to ask the man in the middle, because he believes he's a son of God, to save him and to remember him when he is king over his future kingdom. He throws reason out the window. Logic is no longer matters because by faith at this very moment, he recognizes Jesus as the Son of God and he confesses Jesus to be his Savior and he asks Jesus to do something for him that he knows ultimately that he cannot do on his own to save him. And it's the same faith. This is the same saving faith that every one of us in this room needs to be willing to approach Jesus with for their very own salvation. The same faith. However, I want you to see something else. This thief also displayed a very courageous faith. I mean, this is a guy who is who is he is in, being hung on a cross. He is dying in front of a crowd of people, and he is. Publicly confessing Jesus as his Savior and Lord. Everyone else around is mocking Jesus. They're denying him, including his friend. He is he is hanging in front of a crowd and he's recognizing Jesus as the Son of God and he's asking Jesus for salvation. This guy is showing amazing courage. He doesn't care what others think about him at this moment. Everyone else, they can hear the conversation, but he realizes at this very moment. This moment that's in front of him, that death is at his doorstep. Eternity is in the balance, and he asks Jesus to save him. And I love Jesus' response to this this courageous act of faith. Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. From the cross, hours before he breathed his, his last breath, Jesus gave this man the most amazing, undeserved gift that anyone could ever receive, salvation. And for the rest of our morning, I want to talk about what this means. I want to unpack for just a moment what Jesus just offered this man. I want to give you the truth about salvation. First of all, salvation is a free gift from God. These words, I mean, they're just a reminder to us that there is nothing we can do. This story is a reminder. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation or forgiveness from God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not... Your own doing. It's a gift of God and, and not a result of works so that no one may boast. In other words, salvation is a free gift. Forgiveness of sin is a free gift. It's a free gift that God gives us when we place our faith alone in Jesus Christ as the one who came into the world to die, on our, to die for our sins on our behalf and then to offer us salvation and eternal life. And the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians 2 reminds us that, that this is something that we cannot earn by being good. By being good people, by doing good things, by following enough rules. And listen, I run into people all the time, and I know some of you do as well, who just, I mean, they have it in their mind. If I'm a good person, if I do just enough good things, then somehow or another it will be enough. It will never, ever be enough. Ever. It's all about what Jesus has done. I don't care how many rules you follow. Without salvation... You end up in the same place as this thief over here who rejected Jesus. Nothing outside of Jesus will work. Instead, the only way that we can be truly forgiven of sin and receive eternal life in heaven is by receiving freely by grace. It's through trusting in Jesus Christ alone to be our Savior. See, that's what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. The Bible teaches that... that that we had no one or no way to get to where God was, so God sent his very own son to make a way. And we receive, by, we receive salvation by believing that and by putting our faith and trust in Christ alone. And this is what this thief did at his, the very last moments of his life. I mean, think about this guy for a moment. He has wasted his life. He has lived for his own pleasure. He has pursued his own pursuits. It's been all about him. And we don't meet this guy until this moment in Scripture. We have no idea where he came from. We have even no idea really what his, you know, the extent of his crimes. We didn't know what kind of family he grew up in, what town he was from. We know none of that. So we know that he's not going to be able to do anything good with his life from this point forward. I mean, he's, he's dying on a cross. He can't get down. He can't get down off the cross to make up for all the bad he's done. And yet Jesus offers it to him anyways. Why? Because Jesus offers salvation to all who will believe. This this thief at this very moment simply had faith that Jesus was a Son of God who came into the world to save people from their sins and offer eternal life. And because of faith in Jesus, Jesus gave him the free gift, gift of salvation with no strings attached. There was no, hey, let's jump down real quick so I can baptize you. There's no, let's jump down real quick so you can do, ah, it, it, no strings attached. And if you're here this morning and you believe that for some reason you have to be good enough or you have to be moral enough for God to give you salvation, it's time for you to stop believing that lie. And maybe you're here and, and you would say, you know, that, that you know Jesus as your savior. You can look back at this point in your life where you 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 made a, a decision to, to repent of your sin and to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. But you're still struggling with the mistakes of your past. You're still struggling with the idea that God truly loves you and accepts you and forgives you fully for all of the, in spite of all the things that you've done. Here's what you need to rest in this morning. I, I, listen, I, I'm asking, look, if you don't hear anything else, I hear this for those of you that know Christ. Find rest in God's love for you, his acceptance of you, his forgiveness for your sin. It's not, his forgiveness of your sin, his acceptance, his, it's not dependent on you or anything you've done. It was all made possible because of what Jesus did for you. Your salvation is not based on you or what you have done. It is based on what Jesus has done on your behalf. And you need to embrace the fact that there is nothing, 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 nothing that you can do to have God love you more or love you less than than he does at this very moment reading the Bible more, praying more, going to church more, giving more, serving more, engaging in opportunities like this tornado thing. It's all great stuff, but it's not going to gain more acceptance, more of God's acceptance for you. He already accepts you fully. It's not going to get him to love you more. You could not be any more loved right now by God than you are at this very moment. And so it's time to get off. Listen, it's time to let go of the self-imposed guilt, the condemnation that you have put yourself under. And it's time for you to learn to rest in what Christ has done on your behalf if you're a child of God. Second thing, Jesus is willing and ready to save lost people. On the day that Jesus died, you've got to understand that I mean, he was beaten, he was flogged, he was whipped... Flesh was torn from his body. A, a, a crown of thorns was driven down on his head. Spikes were driven through his wrists or his feet. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 14 prophesied years and years and years before it. it. tells us that by the time that Jesus got to the cross, he was so disfigured that they, he didn't even look like a human anymore. I and mean, we can't even imagine the pain that Jesus had already endured even by the time that he went to the cross. I mean, he, he was already close to death by the time he even made it to the cross. And Jesus, I mean at this moment had every reason as he hung there to be to be focused on himself to be just you know just trying to get through all the stuff that he was going through. But that's not what he's doing here. Here we see him focusing his attention on this man. He's already looked out at the crowd of mockers and said, "God forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing right now." And now he looks at this one guy He's focused his attention on this one man who is desperately in need of salvation, desperately in need of hope, desperately in need of forgiveness. This is a guy who is desperately lost. And you know what I love? This story shows that Jesus is always willing and ready to save lost people. Luke chapter 9, verse 10 says that the whole reason Jesus came to earth was to seek and to save those that are lost. So it doesn't matter for you what your past look like, looks like. It doesn't matter what your present is currently looking like. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made or how badly you feel like you have messed up. Listen, it doesn't matter if anyone else around you is unwilling to forgive you or to offer you hope or to give you a second chance. Jesus is always ready to forgive you. He's always ready to wash your sins away and to to forgive your mistakes and to restore you, to heal you, and to give you a second chance. He's not preoccupied. He's not too busy. There is nothing more important to him. There's nothing that could stand in the way of of Jesus extending to you at this very moment grace and forgiveness if you are willing to trust in him alone. As the only one that could accomplish those things on your behalf. Listen, if Jesus can forgive and save a murderer at his very last moments of his life, he can save you this morning. He can save you this morning. We're getting old school church in here this morning. Y'all good with that? Listen to this. Erwin Lutzer says, he says, the thief's forgiveness reminds us that there is more grace in God's heart than sin in our past. say, would you say that again? Because I want to write that down. Here you go. The thief's forgiveness reminds us that there is more grace in God's heart than sin in our past. And for those of you that already know Jesus, nothing should stand in the way of us taking that good news to Jesus around us, to, the, to all of those who need him. If Jesus was never too busy for lost people, even as he's suffering, even as he's dying on the cross, there is no reason for us to ever be too busy to, 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 to take Jesus to, to lost people to engage people. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter where they're from, where they live. It is our job to take, pe- to take people, to take Jesus to people. That's our job. Third thing, our eternity in heaven is secure through salvation. You go back to Luke chapter 23, verse 43 for a moment, and you think about what Jesus says to this thief. He, th- he says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Now, I know that there are a lot of religions that teach that death leads us to a place called purgatory. It's like this holding pattern where a person can go and they have to endure some kind of temporary punishment to be cleansed of sin. Or something, somebody's got to do some things or pay some things or do enough good works so that they can actually go to heaven. And there's others that believe out, you know, that, that when we die, we fall into this state of sleep. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden, we wake up at the second coming of Christ. Notice, Jesus doesn't say to this man, one day you're going to get to paradise, but first you've got to spend a little time paying some punishment in purgatory. He doesn't say that to him. Instead, Jesus told him, on this very day, you'll be with me in paradise. He doesn't say to him, listen, you know, one, you're going to have to go into a state of sleep, a state of unconsciousness, and then I'll see you in a thousand years. It's not, he just he says, you're secure. Nothing. Nothing more needs to be done. And I love this. He doesn't say, you'll be with me in paradise. He says, he he doesn't just say he'll be in paradise. What he says is, you'll be with me in paradise. You're going to be with me. And those two little words, they are so important. And here's why. Because the whole point of heaven is to be with Jesus. The whole point of heaven is to be with Jesus. I love the idea. When I think of heaven, okay, I love the idea of no more sickness, no more dying, no more pain, no more cancer. I love the idea of, of just, I mean, the perks are amazing. You think about the mansion, the streets of gold, the walls. I mean, all that stuff. Lions getting along with lambs, people actually liking each other. I mean, it's, it's really an amazing thing. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. I, I, I just, I mean, I've been, I've been hearing about him all my life. I've been singing about him all of my life, my earliest memories. I just want to look at his face. I want to thank him because he's done something for me that I can never do on my own. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, yes, we are confident, fully confident. We, we'd rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we'll be at home with the Lord. Salvation makes heaven secure. And because of that, I don't have to worry. I don't have to wonder because of salvation. I'm in. And because of salvation, if you put your trust and faith in Christ alone, you're in. And Paul says we can be confident of it, fully confident of it. And then you got to get this. There's no other way to salvation apart from Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said this. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, you've got to understand something. What what I just read to you is very offensive to many, many, many people around the world. In fact, there are people that are dying all over the world because of Jesus, because of their faith in Jesus. They talk about God. They talk about, yeah, we're all this, we all worship the same. Listen, Jesus is is the separating point. There are people who died this past month in Syria because of Jesus, There are people dying in Iran and Iraq and Pakistan and Afghanistan, Bhutan and Cambodia and Indonesia, all over the world because they have professed Jesus to be their Savior. The fact is, Jesus says it himself. He says, there's no other way. I'm the truth. There's no other way to get to the Father except through me. And when this thief is dying on the cross, Jesus doesn't look at him and go, Hey, I'm going to point you to Muhammad. I'm going to point you to Buddha. He doesn't tell him to jump down and earn it. He didn't have to. He was the way, He was the truth, He was the life. This man wasn't getting there except through Him. And the same is true for us today. The same is true for us today. And I want you to hear this. Listen to me. Every one of us in this room, including me, we are no different than these two thieves. We are no different than these two thieves. We are all sinners. We all deserve death. There, none of us in this room deserve forgiveness. None of us in this room deserve hope or salvation, but it's offered. And it's offered to everyone, and it's offered freely. And we can deny him, we can reject him like this one thief, or we can accept him for who he is the Son of God. We can repent of our sin and be like this other thief. We can place our faith alone in Jesus Christ to be our personal Savior. We can receive forgiveness. And we can walk out of this building this morning different than we came in, totally secure that when we die, we'll spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. We like to separate ourselves from stories in the Bible. We are these two thieves, and Jesus hangs in the balance offering freely a gift that you can never earn you will never earn this no one in this room is good enough not even on your best day i don't care where you came from what family you were born in what part of the country you were born in what you think about good works good moral it's all jesus i want you to bow your head for a moment I want to do something I did in the first service. I'm inspired by this, the courageous faith of this man, this thief on the cross, publicly in front of onlookers and mockers, in front of a very hostile crowd, publicly recognizing Jesus as the son of God, receiving forgiveness in front of, I don't know how many people are at the cross, but there were many realizing that only hope, only forgiveness, only salvation could be found at that moment in the one who was dying next to him. And Jesus offers that to you today. And if you would like to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone to do something for you that you cannot do on your own, which is to receive forgiveness of sin, to find hope in your life, and to find security in eternity. I want to ask you to stand to your feet right now. I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than that. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Six people stood in the first service. If you need Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, you are lost without Him. Stand to your feet. Be bold, be courageous. I want to just challenge you. Stand. You're not in a hostile crowd. There's no mockers or onlookers getting ready to insult you in here. This is a family. You will be embraced. Just stand to your feet if you want to trust, put your faith and trust in Jesus alone. Those of you that are standing, I want you to pray with me right now. Because I know many of you don't, you may not know what to say. God knows your heart, and He knows the moment it happens. But here's what just pray with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross on my behalf, for offering something to me that I could never earn on my own. At this very moment, Lord, I wanna tell you, I'm sorry for my sins, I repent. And I ask you to be my savior. I put all of my trust, all of my faith in you alone and what you have done on my behalf. I don't deserve this, but thank you for doing it for me. And I receive it. I receive your grace through faith. Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's give these folks a big hand. Y'all can sit in. Amen. You, got, you can sit down if you're still standing, unless you just want to keep standing. We're just still cheering for you. Here's what I want you to do. Take those of you that were just standing and if you didn't stand but you prayed with me and, and this is your decision i want you to a couple things one I want, I want you to take out your communication card and there's a place to say this morning i pray to receive jesus as my savior take it to the help center at the, the end of the service we want to help you to take the next step okay in following jesus okay listen the rest of you i want you to look at me all of you I want you to look at me for a moment okay You are secure in Christ because of what what Jesus has done for you. You are accepted, okay, because of what Jesus has done for you. All right, you are loved unconditionally. You can trust Him completely. He will never leave you, and everything you need is found in Christ. Okay, so stop living like a pauper. Stop living, all right, like you're lost that you're unforgiven. Listen, you can't do it even after the cross. Even after, you can't do this in your own. It's all Jesus. So keep finding what you found in salvation in Christ alone. Find life in Christ alone and start living it. All right? Now, I want you to stand. Because when we have moments like this and people, listen, for those of you that just stood, I mean, I want you to tell you, when you walked in this room, you were dead, spiritually dead. You have been made alive in Christ. All right.